morning, everyone. Let's stand together and turn to page 517, 517. I am resolved. 517 in our songbooks as we get started this morning. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, have a Lord my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Are you really? Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way, if so hasten, I will to him, hasten so glad and free, Jesus, greatest, highest, will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, till will I enter in. I will hasten to, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. Amen. Now let's turn to page 812. 812, there is victory in our Lord Jesus. Amen. That's past the index. 812. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Let me hear you. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. And all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Amen. Oh, victory 
Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and knew him and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cliff. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there a song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and ask for your direction on each part of this service. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful songs, and we're thankful that there is victory in Jesus. And Lord, we're thankful that uh, we are capable of making a decision to put our faith and trust in thee, knowing that you will bring us through and give us grace to overcome this world and live for you even in these dark days. Lord, we just pray that each part of this service will glorify Thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Franz? All right, now let's turn to page 342. 342. Only a sinner saved by grace. 342. Not have I gotten but what I received. Grace hath bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I abase. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story to God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Once I was foolish and sin ruled my heart, causing my footsteps from God to depart. Jesus hath found me happy my case. I now am a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story to God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Tears unavailing, no merit had I. That saved me or else I must die. Sin had alarmed me, fearing God's face, but now I'm a sinner, saved by grace. 
Because of that, now I belong to Jesus, 378, page 378, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him no power of evil can sever. He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Once I was lost in sin's degradation, Jesus came down to bring me salvation, lifting me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Now this time we'll have all the children, 11 and under, dismissed to the children's church. And let's sing that last verse. Joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me. Amen. Joy floods my soul for Jesus has saved me. Freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood he gave to redeem. I belong to him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time Amen, and you may be seated. And just before the message this morning, I'm going to have Joy and the children sing a song and uh, listen closely to the words. Pray that it'll prepare your heart for the message.
children and I'll tell you why. Horses can gallop and eagles can fly. Serpents can slither and monkeys can swing. Puppies can wiggle and robins can sing. God is the one who has made all we see. And through his power he Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24, Luke chapter 24. I cannot tell you how many times I have read Luke chapter 24, uh, and uh, the last time I was reading it, this one verse just jumped off the page to me, and I began studying it, and that is where this morning's message has come what to do when things go wrong. Amen. Uh, there's an awful lot of times we find ourselves in a situation where things did not go the way we thought they ought to go. Anybody ever been there? As Brother Ted said in Sunday school, am I the only one? I don't think so. Amen. And uh, let's just start uh, our reading here in verse 13. Uh, the context, the setting is Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, actually early in the afternoon, verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they walked, talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, 
Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before, all the, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted, but we trusted, one more time, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found even so as the women had said, but him... They saw not. Now, there's our story. This is what we call the road to Emmaus. Two of the disciples of Jesus Christ, these were people familiar with the Lord. They had walked with Him. They uh, had been uh, with Him through all of His sufferings. They had no doubt heard of the crucifixion, maybe even watched it from hiding in a corner somewhere. They were gathered together with the disciples on Sunday morning as the ladies came running back and saying, He is risen. But of course, you read the entire account, it says they believed them not. It was Peter and John that had ran to the tomb and, and of course, John got there first, but he waited for Peter and and Peter began to look in and look around, and John, it tells us, looked and believed. Amen? But these two guys honestly didn't have a clue. And, and I like verse 21 is what jumped off the page. It says, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Now, I want to ask you a question. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross? Redeemed Israel, amen, and the whole world. He got done exactly what they thought he was going to do, only God has this way of doing things his way and not ours. Aren't you glad? I mean, I am glad that God does not subject himself to my reasoning because normally we get things wrong now, don't we? We don't understand very much. And where we really get in trouble is when we think we know or understand something and really don't have a clue as to what's going on. That's when we get in trouble. You ever take a wrong turn and not know that you took a wrong turn? One time, many years ago, I was driving in the state of Illinois, and there's a place where two highways come together. I wanted Highway 55, and it was Highway 57. 
and they come right together outside St. Louis and run together for a little while and or somewhere out there. And anyway, I was on Highway 55, I mean 57, wanting to be on Highway 55. And I must have gone 25 miles because Illinois, at least at that time, did not have the decency to put up those little signs. I mean, how expensive can they be telling you what road you're on? And so I was 25 miles down the highway, and all of a sudden, I saw a sign that had the wrong number on it. Now, did the sign have the wrong number on it? Absolutely not. I was on the wrong road. And so I had to go down to the next exit, turn around, go 25 miles back to where I started from, and get on the right road. How many of you like doing that? That is frustrating, is it not? Now, how many of us have done that for real in life? That's what was going on here. These guys thought, and they were reasoning together, and they were trying to figure this whole thing out. They thought that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. He did. But they just didn't have a clue as to what he did. Amen? They didn't understand the Word of God. They did not understand the prophecies, which just goes to show us something. We have a great desire today to understand the prophecies in the Bible. And, and there's a whole group of, of preachers that travel this country coast to coast doing nothing but teaching about the prophecies. Now, I'm not against that, but Here's what I am trying to say and want you to register in your heart and in your mind. If you want to understand the prophecies of God, it's best understood after they're fulfilled. You say, but that's not exciting, preacher. I want to know what happens before it happens, not afterwards. Well... God wants us to be concerned with something else. You see, there's a whole lot of things in the Bible that aren't prophecy. Amen? There's a whole lot of things in the Bible that we could actually be actively involved in obeying today. And God's a whole lot more concerned with what we're doing today than what we think might happen tomorrow. And that's why God puts that veil of mystery over the future events because He wants our main concern. He wants our main focus. He wants our heart to be centered upon that which He wants to, us to do today. Now, the reason I say that is because of what transpires here. As these two men are walking down the road trying to figure out what happened, Jesus comes up and it says that their eyes were holding. Jesus made it so that they would not know who he was. And he began to ask them questions. He says, you guys look awful sad. What's going on? Uh, you're having a deep conversation here. What's all of this about? And, and it gives us the conversation. They say, where in the world did you come from, bud? Don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? They crucified Jesus. 
He was a mighty prophet before God and the people. Everybody knew that he was a prophet of God. But the chief priests and the Pharisees, they crucified him. Let me ask you a question. Did they crucify Jesus? No. He willingly went to the cross. Don't ever forget that. Just one little aside here. This is free. has nothing to do with the message. But there's a lot of screwballs out there today. Uh, we call them men void of understanding. That are trying to blame the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the Jewish people and therefore hate the Jewish people because they crucified Christ. That's blasphemy, my friend. And any religion or any group of people that start talking like that, pack your bags and get out of there, leave them alone. Don't try to straighten them out. You'll find in the Bible it's not your job to straighten people out. It's your job to straighten yourself out. And you'll do a whole lot better when you find a church that just teaches the truth and stay there. Amen? Now, that's free. Let's get back to the message. And uh, so as we get back here, they are trying to figure out what is happening, and they're explaining to Jesus about his crucifixion. And then they said, besides all these confusing things, we thought Jesus would redeem Israel, but he's dead, so therefore he can't redeem Israel, even though he already had. Um, there were certain people of our group that went down, and he wasn't in the tomb. Now, you talk about a big mess. We're in a big mess. We're trying to figure out what's going on. Now, look at Jesus' words here. Verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools. Isn't that kind? Just sweetness. I mean, in the world of positive thinking, you would think that Jesus was such a positive guy, he never said anything negative. Let me tell you, Jesus, the Jesus of the positive thinking group is not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus looked at these men and he called them fools. You read your Bible, that is a serious, serious charge. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. What he's saying is you guys are so wrapped up in your own thought processes that you've denied God. And I'm standing right here and I'm a little upset. And he was. But how many of us as Christians have forgotten who God is at times in our lives? have allowed ourselves to be so consumed with our own thought process that we could not even turn from ourselves and our own thinking to understand what was already written down in the Bible. Now, God's given us some things, and they're outlined in this passage. The first place Jesus takes them, he says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Where does Jesus go first? He goes to the Word of God. Now, if you've been around this church very much, you will know that we talk a lot about the Bible. And if there's anything that I am hyper-repetitive on, it is going to the Word of God. Amen? 
that is the first place Jesus took these men after condemning them for their ignorance and their thoughts. He said, get back in the Bible. You don't understand what the Bible says. And you read through here, and he, in verse 27, and beginning at Moses, he started in Genesis. And all the prophets, he went through Malachi. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Don't you wish you could get a tape of that message? I mean, Jesus just quoted scripture after scripture after scripture. And he said, this is talking about me. Verse 26, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? You know, every once in a while you'll hear a rabbi on the radio or something and he'll say, this idea of the suffering Messiah is nowhere in the scripture. Oh, wait a minute. What did Jesus say to the two guys on the road to Emmaus? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He said, open your eyes. It's in there. Read Psalm 22 this afternoon. Read Isaiah chapter 53. Read Psalm 110. Read Psalm 95. Read, or I'm not sure if it's 95. I'm sorry, that might not be the right number. Uh, 35, that's the right number. You read all of these passages the Bible from cover to cover talks about Jesus Christ. And the first place he takes them is to the Scripture. And by the way, he takes them to all of it. There is a great, great temptation to go to the parts of the Bible you agree with and kind of ignore the rest of it. Now, that is worse than what these men were doing. If you want the Bible, you got to take it all from cover to cover. And by the way, sometime I'm going to preach a sermon. People give the New York Times more respect than they do the Word of God. You know that? People give their computer manuals more respect than they do the Word of God. Because when you open up your computer manual and it tells you to press this key to get the computer to do that, you are just foolish enough to listen to what the computer manual says and you press this key and voila, the computer does exactly what it said it would do in the manual unless it's Microsoft and then you have to start over again. After a restart, it'll do it, all right? But uh, the simple truth is we give more respect to so many things than we do the Bible if we'll just pay attention to what it says. Put it in its context. Don't just yank one verse out and hang it up to dry. Let it be attached to the rest of the passage. One good rule I learned a long time ago. 
when the Bible doesn't make sense to you, trust God with that passage and get busy obeying the things that do make sense, and God will make that other passage make sense later on. Amen? And so as we move through here, he took them to the Word of God. Then we go to verse 45. He does one more thing, and we're kind of overlapping here. We'll get to it in a minute, but let's read verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It is one thing to read. It can be an entirely different thing to understand. I remember, some of you will remember Karma, who came to our church for several services. He was a Buddhist monk from Nepal. And for about eight months, Karma and I would meet and go over the Word of God for hours at a time. And he could explain to me what the Bible said about salvation better than most people who had been saved. But he understood that if he did obey those words of the Bible, he would have to cease his religion. And he wasn't going to do that. And if you think, think about karma, the Holy Spirit brings him to mind. That's his name. That's what he told me, Karma Sherpa. Pray for him. Because he certainly has enough scripture. He's back in Nepal right now. He certainly has enough scripture in his, in his mind. And, and it, he took a copy of the Bible with him. I pray that the word would do its work and that he would be saved someday. But the first place Jesus took them was the Word of God. And I want to get back to our theme. When things go wrong, when you don't understand what's happening around you, the first place you go is the Word of God. And make sure that you're understanding what you're reading. Don't just sit there and go, Okay, God, I need some direction. I need some direction. Here we go. And par bar by par bar westward. No, that's not going to help. Don't just flip through your Bible and try to find something. The Bible speaks to every issue of life. Find the parts that are dealing with what you're dealing with and listen to them. Amen? You say, Pastor, I can't find that. Then call me on the telephone. Stop by and ring the doorbell. We will make time because that's what our church is about, is helping you understand the Word of God. By the way, the next point is church. Amen? Look where they went. Jesus appeared to them. He revealed Himself to them as they constrained Him. It was getting on toward evening. And uh, verse 29, it says, But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished 
out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven together, gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen in indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. This was the first church service after the resurrection. You say, why do you put that in there? Well, the church was already going before we get to Pentecost, all right? The church was already functioning. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? I thought the church started on Pentecost. No. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is giving instructions to the church. You don't instruct something that's not working, amen? He tells the church how to deal with problems and how to deal with uh, issues between members of the same church. So therefore, it's got to be working, doesn't it? But here, after the resurrection, on that Sunday morning, and this is the reason why we meet on Sundays, because it is the day of Christ's resurrection from the dead. You know, there's certain religions that if you show up at Easter and Christmas, everything's fine. Well, to the Bible-believing Christian, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen? I mean, I don't know that a service happens that we do not mention the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what we are about. Because without the resurrection, we have no faith. There is nothing that we have. And Jesus held a church service on this Sunday night. And here, here we go. Yeah, just turn on the pulpit. Yeah, is that on? Can you hear me now? Okay, good. Now, as we get back here, Jesus met with them. And that first church service was a very quiet, sacred gathering where everybody just stood there and was still and mumbled to themselves, right? No, read the verse there. It says, But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. I mean, these people were trying to climb out the windows, only they just remembered it was the upper room and it was a long way down. Uh, they were afraid. They, I mean, things were happening, amen? <coughs> and Jesus, and he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see... For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Let's just skip down here to verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, 
that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. Now, I just want to spend a few moments this morning telling you what's supposed to happen in a real church service. And when things go wrong... Where are you supposed to be? In church. You say, but you don't understand, Pastor. I sinned against God. I've broken His law. I'm ashamed. Well, let me tell you something. Where else are you going to get it right, my friend? Where else are you going to get encouragement to stay right? Where else are you going to be convicted? You know, there are certain times in our life where our hearts actually become hardened in a certain issue. And if you ever wonder why the preacher's so mean and so loud, it's because God said so to break up that hardness and soften you up so that you could hear the Word of God. You see, it was in church they understood the Word. That's why in, in Romans chapter 10 it says, Faith cometh by hearing. Can you hear me? Amen. Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's what we preach in every service is the Word of God. Sunday night is our prayer meeting, but guess what? We're going to have the Word of God before we pray. Thursday night is our Bible study. I mean, that's the meat and potatoes. That's the uh, We sit there and we're going through the book of Hebrews. And, and, and I'll warn you, it's not for the light of heart. If you come in bored with the world and bored with everything, you'll probably fall asleep Thursday night. But if you want to learn about the Word of God, I think it's the most exciting service of the week. Because we take the time to cut it up and put it down where you can really get a hold of it. And that's, that's where we grow. Amen? By the way, it was here where Jesus called them to action. And that action was not just something that they were supposed to do the next day or the next week. We read in the book of Acts, they did it until the very end of their lives, until they could not do it anymore. And many of these men died violent deaths at the hands of those that hated this book and hate God and hate the truths that are written down in this word. You know, the Apostle Paul didn't go around holding rock concerts, did he? The Apostle Paul didn't go around starting Bible studies. The Apostle Paul did not go around trying to meet society where they were. He knew where they were. He said, but that's not going to get you to heaven. you got to change that. Amen? You know, I used to tell people, I'm the pastor. It's not my job to tell you what to do. Now I tell people, I'm the pastor. It's my job to tell you what to do. Amen. Not because I think so. Not because I think it's good. But because this book called the Bible says so. Amen. 
There are some things we need to do. And I'll tell you, when things are going wrong and when we're confused by the circumstance of this life, we better know what to do or we're just going to make a big mess worse. How many of us have done that? We just took a big mess and we made it worse because we thought we knew what we were doing. We think we sat down and we figured it out. I think I've told this story here. I'm pretty sure I have. Out on Steinway one day, we were passing out tracks, and I met a well-dressed older gentleman, probably in his 70s, late 60s at the youngest. I gave him one of the tracks. I said, may I give you a gospel track from our church? And he looked at me. He was only about this tall. And he looked at me and he said, I know why the evolutionists have never found the missing link. I said, man, this is going to be good. This guy never met me before. I give him a gospel track, and he's going to explain to me why there's no missing links in the fossil record. This is what I'm thinking in my head. And so I get down, and so I'm looking him basically eye to eye, and I said, sir, could you tell me? He says, yes. He says, you see, all evolution happened on a planet inside a universe contained in the constellation of the Pleiades. And after all the animals were formed, Adam and Eve got them on a spaceship and they flew them all to Earth. And now they all live here. And I looked at him and I was dazed. I never heard of such a thing. And I said, sir, where in the world did you get this idea? And he goes, right here. Now, do not attempt this anywhere outside New York City. But I crouched down so I could see him eye to eye. And I said, sir, I've got one thing for you. You've got real problems right here. Now, we're laughing at this man's expense. But how many of us have told God, I got it all figured out right here. You see, that's why we need to come to church, amen? So we can hear God's opinion on the message. And that's why I challenge you to go home and read the Bible on your own and check it out. Because God wants us to do things. He wants us to live a certain way. He explains the answers to our deepest problems. And sometimes the greatest answer and the simplest way to deal with the most complex problems is just to ignore them. Amen? Do we not live in some of the most divisive, complex days in the political history of our nation. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we've got all these, uh, what is it, Republicans and, and uh, Democrats, and I mean, they're, they, is there anybody that believes what they believed five years ago today? I mean, it's crazy out there, isn't it? 
And if you're looking to Washington, D.C. to solve your problems, uh, you'd better go find a psychiatrist, amen? Because you're going to need one. I'm not looking for Washington, D.C. to solve these problems. The Bible says men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That should be the headline on the paper tomorrow, amen? Because that's what's going on. And I'll tell you, I, I get a little upset about some of these things because I thank the Lord there hasn't been another terrorist attack since 9-11. I praise the Lord that, 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 but do you know how many they've broken up? I don't think anyone's given us an honest account of the number of terrorist plots that have been successfully broken up in the last five years aimed at people in this city and this country called the United States. And if you really got to thinking about that, you could get yourself so wound up in a ball that you'd want to go live in a cave somewhere out in the Rocky Mountains where nobody would bother you, but that's not serving Christ. That's not what the Bible says to do. You see, the Bible teaches us that we need to live for God and that our faith needs to be in Him and Him alone and not in all these things around us. And when we come to church, our goal... I mean, Jesus only had one theme to His messages here. As He was walking down the road to Emmaus, as He held the first church service here, do you know what His message was? It was about Jesus, amen? And that's all we want to preach about, is we want to preach about Jesus Christ, crucified and risen again. That is our only message. That's what makes people who preach like this, they call us gospel preachers, because it's the only good news. That's what the word gospel means, that you're ever going to hear, that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins on the cross, that he died according to the scriptures, by the way, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be witnesses of these things. We're supposed, aren't you glad somebody told you about Jesus? You need to tell somebody else, amen. So, when things go wrong, number one, you need the word of God. Number two... You need church. Number three, you need to let God use everyday things in your life to teach you about himself. What did Jesus use? He used to walk down the road to teach those two men about himself. He revealed himself to them as they sat down to eat dinner, didn't he? When the disciples were wondering if Jesus was a spirit, he took a piece of fish and a piece of honeycomb and he ate it before him. He showed them his hands and his feet. He pulled aside the robe and let them see the scar in his side. He let them touch him. Somebody said, if I could only touch Jesus like the apostles did, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. If you won't believe because this book says so, you won't believe no matter what. 
That's what the word faith is all about. Jesus puts everyday events in our lives. If we'll just open our eyes, He'll teach us. No, let's not get ridiculous. We're not pantheist. We do not believe God is in the wood that makes the pulpit. And, and uh, sometimes we believe the devil's in the PA system making it do weird things during the service. Uh, but I'll tell you, God puts normal occurrences in front of us to show us about himself if we'll just open our eyes. If we'll just allow God to open our hearts to listen to what he's doing. Now let's go down to verse 50 and we'll be done in just a few minutes. Verse 49, I'm sorry. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye at the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Verse 52. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, as we finish these last few verses, Luke, from verse 49 to verse 53, covers a period of about 40 days. And Jesus is teaching the disciples. There's many things that happen in these days. He appears to a group of 500 at one place. He's with Peter and the disciples at the Sea of Galilee with the fish and, and all of those things. And, and then we get to Acts chapter 1 where Jesus is taken away from them. But there's a word in here that is bandied about today by many people who pretend to know what it means. Verse 52 says, and they worshipped him. We are in the middle. We are approaching the most important time of what we call our worship service. Now, we've been through this many times for those that have been here, but it doesn't hurt to be reminded once again, worship in, in its truest sense is the humbling or the lowering of ourselves for the expressed purpose of raising and glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what worship is. That is why I stand up here week after week and I plead with you to surrender your heart and your will and your life and your action to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is a continual thing. It would be absolutely wonderful if we could just pray the prayer of salvation and all of a sudden we were perfectly humble and perfectly worshiping God every day. It's not going to happen as long as we're confined in these sinful bodies. One of these days, we're going to get rid of them. And when we do, 
we're going to get a glorified body and we're going to be able to worship Christ completely without any interference of ourself, the world, or the devil. It says they worshipped him. Now what I want us to understand is that first you have to start with the word of God. You read your Bible, you study your Bible, I challenge you, you will not find God doing anything from Acts chapter, yeah, Acts chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 3, the last verse of that chapter that is not by, through, and for a local church. That is God's plan. Somebody said, well, you mean Jesus has all these little bodies all over the place? Well, let me tell you something. I'd rather have little bodies all over the place than body pieces all over the place. Because if you have body pieces all over the place, it's called death, is it not? I mean, when you cut a body up and ship it all over the world and dis dis dissect it, there's no life in that thing. Every church is a complete body responsibly directly to Jesus Christ. That's why we're not a denomination. Because if somebody else is in charge of it, guess who isn't? Jesus. You've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have the local church. You've got everyday life experiences that God gives you to help you understand about Him. And all of these things work together to make this thing called worship. Worship is getting rid of me so that Jesus can be lifted up. Worship is surrendering me again so that I can be more obedient to Christ this week than I was last week. Now, how many of us, I'm raising my hand, I want this coming week to be a little better than last week was. Not that last week was horrible, but I mean, there were just some things that could certainly be improved upon. How about you? I mean, that's what worship is, my friend. Worship without obedience is foolishness. God does not accept that kind of worship. That's why we don't jump up and down for Jesus around here. And I'm not trying to be unnecessarily offensive, but I think it is offensive to God when we do those kinds of things and call it worship. I mean, there's a group of people that they pass out barf bags as you walk in, and, and literally when the Spirit moves, you throw up in the bag. Now, I am so glad that I can stand before you and tell you that is not worship to a holy God. I'm not kidding. It really happens. It's craziness. What God wants is for you to be a better witness of Jesus Christ when you go to work tomorrow. Can you be a better witness for Jesus Christ sloughing off at work? Nope. You can't. You ought to be the best employee your employer has. Unless you're working at a bar, then you ought to quit and get an honest job. Amen? Listen. 
this thing called worship. Jesus blessed them. How many of you have been saved? Amen. Say amen. amen. You got the blessing. That's the greatest blessing in your life. Now take that blessing and worship God with it. And you'll have so much joy in your heart that all those plotters and planners, the one that always gets me, they're playing mind games at work. It always scares me when I hear that one. See, I've solved that problem a whole long time ago. I don't have a mind. You're more than welcome to try to play with it all you want. But it won't do you any good. Because my mind is not worried about you. Because it's centered on obeying the Lord. I've met people that are going to take the sword of the Spirit and we're going to slash the forces of Satan this week. They always come back depressed and failed. Because that's not what the sword of the Spirit is. It's a scalpel. It's to operate on you. Like Brother Ted was talking about in our Sunday school time. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes us. So that God can do what He wanted to do in the first place. Amen? If we could get excited about this thing called blessing God. Do you know how you bless God? The word blessing means to make happy. It says they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Now praising is something we don't have to worry about too much. It's very simple. It's saying, thank you, Jesus. It's saying, praise God for what you have done. That's what praise is. But praise by itself is like a lemon meringue pie without any lemon. It's just fluff. If you want the substance of praise, you've got to bless God. That's why the and is in there. They're connected. Here's what the end is. And blessing God is to make God happy with what He's done in your life this week. Amen? Now, how many of you want to bless God this week with the way you live? That's called worship. It's taking those everyday things, learning what God wants me to learn, and using them to bless God. You know, God's happy when we turn away from temptation. That blesses God. It blesses God when we give a word of His testimony and have the light to back it up. It blesses God when we order our lives to be obedient to His word. And you know who enjoys it the most? You will. When you finally find this thing of blessing God, you're going to be jumping up and down for joy. Now, jumping up and down for no reason might be called exercise, but nothing else. But if you've got some reason to be excited about the Lord, a real one, not just a pretend one, not just something that you get together, get all excited and can't stand it anymore, that stuff doesn't last very long. But this kind of stuff lasts 
a lifetime. When things do not go the way we want them to, when we find ourselves in circumstances we cannot comprehend and do not understand, number one, you get to the Word of God. Number two, you make sure you're in church. Number three, you just open your eyes and ask God to open your heart so the things that are happening around you, the everyday occurrences, will teach you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, if it teaches you about anything else, it's not right. And the goal of our life is worshiping God. And we need to allow these things to drive us to worship. And when we do, things will either make sense or we won't care. We'll just let God carry that burden. That's what it means, casting all your cares upon Him. I've got something more important to do than to be worried about all this stuff going on around me. It's to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to the invitation time today, we ask that you would do your work in hearts and lives. That we would not harden ourselves against your word, but we would surrender to it. And that we would worship you. Not only this morning, but with our lives this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you come and lead us in the hymn of invitation this morning, a song that we use often here, only trust him. And if the Lord has shown you something in your life, what you need to do is just lay that hymn book down and come and spend some time at an altar. As we sing... Will you come? Give the Lord His way in our heart and in our life.
all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. take just a few moments, just two weeks. The Marshall family is going to be with us, and if you've never met them, you are in for an extraordinary treat. And uh, we're going to try to add a few special activities. Uh, Men, we have not had a men's fellowship in quite a while, and uh, that Saturday morning, that is the last Saturday of September, we're going to try to have a men's breakfast and uh, we want you to, all, all the men and uh, men to be. So bring the boys and everything and uh, don't bring the babies. Uh, let them stay home with mama. But uh, we're going to have Brother Marshall speak to us and uh, we'll see if we can get a hold of a few of our men with culinary talents and see if we can't uh, uh, do something that uh, will be a blessing. Uh, both uh, physically and spiritually. And uh, so that would be Saturday morning at 8.30 here at the church. And then, ladies, uh, we're not going to leave you out. Mrs. Marshall will be preaching, I mean speaking to you. Uh, We don't have lady preachers, uh, only two other ladies. Amen. And because that's the way the Bible sets it up. And so, uh, ladies, we'll be having a ladies' luncheon that same day. A couple of hours together with Mrs. Marshall, and then they'll be with us all day Sunday. Uh, Don't forget Thursday and Friday evenings. Uh, Brother Marshall has a unique style of preaching. Uh, you got to listen close, and uh, you'll get your boat filled. Uh, He is really a a great, great preacher, and uh, we love to have them in. It's been a long time since we've had the Marshalls here, and I'm just looking forward to having them with us. Uh, Just a quick update on the Bob Mack family. Uh, Things have degenerated again in Ivory Coast. Uh, Because of the dumping, uh, the first report that it was a Russian company, it's actually a Dutch company that has been uh, literally just pouring toxic waste out on the ground in Ivory Coast. People have sickened, people have died because of this already, and uh, now uh, as Bob was driving through a place uh, just this week, uh, uh, it's starting to break out into riots, which is the history of the country. Uh, He saw a tank truck uh, that was just literally being mobbed with people. They don't know if it even had anything to do with the dumping of the toxic waste or not. Uh, His email said, I'm sure the driver of that truck is now dead. Uh, This is the kind of stuff that is going on. And pray for them as they're driving out of Ivory Coast uh, and trying to get into Ghana for the next several weeks to get through the election time and to let things cool down. Uh, The problem is when you're a foreigner, uh, uh, what happens in a riot is they kill first, ask questions later. And so please pray for the safety of our missionaries uh, there uh, in that country. And, of course, the Mack family is one of the few missionaries that's even in the field right now. Most of them have evacuated and stayed out, and uh, they have ventured back in and had several months of fruitful ministry until this thing started up. So just uh, pray for them if you would. All right, if we could have our ushers come at this time, we'll have the morning's offering. 
Amen. Brother Osmundo, would you ask God to bless the offering? Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for your um, holy word that was imparted to us by your servant. Thank you for your, the protection that you give to us, our uh, sound body, sound health, and uh, sound mind. Thank you for uh, the protection in our works and also for the visitors. And um, we ask you to bless this tithes and offering to for, for the furtherance of your holy work. And uh, please bless also the missionaries in their works for giving the words of uh, your holy words. And uh, we ask you and uh, thank you everything for this in your holy word, in your holy name, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brother Franz, come lead us in the benediction as we're dismissed. 705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then wherever you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven, precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us.